Hello and welcome, just a family. This is giving you something to talk about or just a live TV as I like to call it. My name is Melissa Kretschler. I am your host. I'm also an identity coach, spiritual teacher, business mentor, creator and founder of not only just a live TV, but also the Women Supporting Women Can Network. So go and check those out, link in the description. Today, we're gonna be talking about, are you asking the right questions or even just asking the right questions? Today's episode has been sponsored by Courage to be Courageous. We all wanna live, lead and love with authenticity and compassion, but how do we get there? How do we know if we are on the right path with the live, lead and love with the Courage to be Curious card decks? You have a life leadership and relationship coach by your side. Go and check that out. 52 power, powerful questions in each card deck. You have exactly what you need to pursue your most authentic and courageous path to life, leadership, and love. Go and check that out. Link in the description. Today's guest speaker is none other than Adina Tavel. Please, would you like to introduce yourself? Thank you so much, Melissa. And it's so fun to be here and on this live stream with you today. As you mentioned, I am the chief curiosity officer, as I like to say, of Courage to be Curious. And I am both a life coach, executive coach, leadership development specialist, and I like to say spiritual guide. And spiritual guide meaning how do we live the life we truly want to lead? And that's what we're going to be talking about today, I know, of how do we ask the questions, use questions as a powerful tool to help us live, lead, and love um, with authenticity. Absolutely. And let's jump right in. And I'm glad to have you. Let's jump right in, though, and talk about asking the wrong questions. Let's start with asking the wrong questions, because I don't believe, you know how they say there's never a stupid question, right? There's, I, I firmly believe that. I think there are no stupid questions. Now, obviously, there are silly ones that kind of smack your head at and you're like, well, that's kind of common sense or the wording or whatever it is, but that's, that's being a little bit particular. But when it comes to, you know, asking the wrong questions, what do you think are the wrong questions? Like, how do you classify a question as wrong? So the questions that I believe are, let's say wrong or unproductive, as I like to say, are questions that, you know, sink us into a hole. So we ask questions, especially around our lives that say, you know, why am I always so late? Or why do things always go wrong for me? Or why do I always put my foot in my mouth? Or why can't I get this right? We ask these kinds of questions that just perpetuate the idea that there is something wrong with us, that we're broken, that we can't succeed. And in this world of personal development, of growth, those are just not really helpful questions. Mm -hmm. What about the one, um, what, what's wrong with me, right? Yeah. I don't know, you and I are both CEOs, we're both coaches, we both know a lot of CEOs and coaches. And I think when we have issues in our business, when we have issues in our personal life, the first thing we do is we internalize what's wrong with me, right? And the second thing we do is what's wrong with them, right? Why aren't people, why aren't people understanding this concept? Why aren't they getting it? And then what's wrong with me? And it's just this vicious cycle, but we have the option to rephrase the question or even change the direction of the question so that we're asking something that, like you said, is actually productive in our day-to-day -day lives. And I love that you focus on that um, in your card deck because you are our sponsor today. So in your card deck, what is what, what are the types of questions that you find in, in those card decks? Like what, what, are, what are good productive questions? Well, let me start by saying that I think the first piece of a good productive question is the place from which you ask it, 
right? When I rattled off that questions or question, those questions, and even when you said, what's wrong with me, what's wrong with them, those questions tend to come from our judging selves. You know, that part of us that's something's wrong, something has to be fixed either with me, with them, with the process. And one of the things that's so fascinating is that we literally cannot be in a curious state and in a judging state at the same time. We're in one or the other. So the first piece about asking productive questions, which is a simple thing to say, but not an easy thing to do, is to ask it from a place of genuine curiosity. And maybe we'll talk in a few minutes more about what genuine curiosity actually means. But then we think about, as you mentioned, Melissa, how do we phrase the questions? Like what kinds of questions are actually productive? And the first thing, even though it's not a hard and fast rule that we never say kind of why, it's usually suggested we don't begin questions with why, just because we have a whole history, I have an education background, why was always the question that the teacher or the parent asked if we had gotten something wrong or done something wrong. So many of us are conditioned to feel judged by why questions. Not a hard and fast rule all the time, but a pretty good rule to follow. But a productive, cur productively curious question really directs us towards some future vision of something rather than looking past to kind of judge what went wrong with something. So productive curiosity. So when I think about that, it's let's look forward. So what is something I might be denying myself in my life that I would really enjoy? Right, you know, that's a productive question because it's moving me someplace. It's moving me from restriction and maybe judging or punishing myself to a place of supporting and loving and caring for myself. Mm -hmm. uh, how is a good one too. I love that you said that. Um, I have kids <laughs> and yesterday, my oldest, or one of my oldest, one of my, my oldest daughters, 13, she had company yesterday and um, repeatedly, I asked her repeatedly or reminded her repeatedly throughout the day that she had chores that she needed to get done or her responsibilities. And by the time evening comes, she's like, yeah, I did this and I did this and I went, got ready for bed. She's already in bed and it's not done. And so today I woke up and I think we have a tendency to really go on to that negative, really go on to that judgmental side, that, that anger side. Right. And yesterday we did the smarter kids episode. Right. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, I'm not going to get mad, but she had wanted to go out today. So I was thinking about it and I'm like, instead of me getting mad at her, instead of me, you know, punishing her in, in a traditional whatever, right? Like taking something away or not letting her go today or whatever that looked like, I wasn't going to let her go. But I sat there and I'm like, okay, so as a coach, right, as, as a CEO or as a coach, if something comes up, let's say for the show, I was doing pre-screening interviews for the show, I still do, and I wasn't recording them. And I had a lady come on and she's very upset by the pre-screening interview, went on to do a Facebook live and rant and rave about me. Um, and it created, instead of getting mad, because I wasn't mad, she's entitled to her opinion and what happened, right? I was a little bit frustrated that I couldn't express what actually went down from my version because it wasn't recorded. So I put recordings in place, right? So I asked myself a different question. 
is okay, this happened. I'm not going to beat myself up about it or, or deal with it negatively. How can I not have that happen later? Right. And I did the same with my daughter. I said, okay, instead of getting mad at her, instead of taking stuff away, what can I do? And I thought about it and I said, okay, I'm going to put a new rule in place. If she wants to go out or if she wants company, her chores need to be done before those things happen. Right. And I think when you ask a how question, or if something's happened or you're feeling lack or feeling restrictions, like you had mentioned, you know, how can I put something in place or how can I make a change that's going to allow me to do this without feeling the negativity, the upset, the overwhelm, the stress, whatever that looks like in your day to day. And again, that can be trans, you know, transformed into your day to day questions. Absolutely. And it's interesting. I just want to do a little shout out and mention um, the Arbinger Institute. They do a lot of work around leadership development, but they have a book called The Anatomy of Peace. And in that book, they talk about what you've just been describing is how do we engage in life with our kids, with coworkers, with people we're interviewing but with a heart at peace. You know, and that's sort of what you were looking to do is you wanted as you were working with thinking about your daughter and how she's going to get her things done, or it was okay without my anger, with my heart at peace, how do I advance forward in this particular area of our lives together? And the heart at peace, I feel like is one of those central things to curiosity. We tend to think of the word curiosity, we associate it with young children when they go out there and oh my goodness, and they have this sense of wonder, right? And just openness. They don't have preconceived notions. They don't have anger and hatred or all that other kind of stuff. They go out there. And so I think if we can ask with a heart at peace, you know, how might we have a better policy or routine in our family that allows chores to get done without fighting, right? And then you allow yourself to discover something, not from the place of anger, but from the place of curiosity and wonder. And I think that's a big piece of all of this work and how we can make positive progress in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. So let's move on to some different questions. So we talked about, you know, you, you mentioned, and I love that you mentioned this, is that we tend to ask questions from a, a why perspective or a, you know, oh, this happened. Why did it happen? Or, you know, I love to look forward. I love to understand, okay, what? My favorite is what? What is the lesson, right? What is the les lesson and how can I use it moving forward? And how is that going to make me better? So, there, there's so many different questions. So I'm, you're a spiritual guide. I'm a spiritual teacher. I do card readings, psychic intuitive card readings. I'm also a medium. I have all of those wonderful gifts. Um, and so when I'm doing a reading, I do pre-warn people when they come into the reading and I have a disclaimer on my readings. I refuse to answer when questions. <laughs> Because I don't think, I think when we ask ourselves when, right, we talked the other day about SMART goals. We talked about um, setting measurable, actionable, you know, realistic goals. When we ask ourselves when, or if we focus too much on the future, we can ask ourselves questions that are unrealistic, right? Or, or ask questions that create an unrealistic outcome or an unrealistic expectation and then we make choices based on that. 
I love the fact that you brought up the when questions and I wanted to put a little spin on when questions and maybe talk about different ways to begin questions that can be really productive. So one of my favorite when questions, which is going to be very different than a when question that you would get in an Oracle reading. In an Oracle reading, people want to know when is this going to happen? You know, when, when is this thing? And it comes from our desire to know the future and maybe control things in the future. But one of my favorite when questions when we're really looking at our lives in a from a courageous stand, standpoint is, you know, when have I experienced this before? And it usually comes up in the following context. So somebody might say, you know, I really want to feel fully engaged in my work, or I really want to love my work, or I want to feel passionate with my partner. And they're asking this question because they're currently not feeling that thing. And one of the most beautiful questions to ask is, when have you experienced that before? And when we ask that kind of question, when have you experienced this before? First of all, it allows the person to actually touch into from a feeling, you know, standpoint, that experience that they're seeking again, which you and I as coaches know how important that is. Because typically when we're asking questions, we're asking them all from our head. But when we touch into something from our heart, like when have I felt that kind of joy before? And then I remember something, I start to get filled with that joy. And that is the first huge step on the path of perhaps creating opportunities to bring more joy into life. So it's a when question that I actually love when we can use the when of the past to help guide us into a place in the future that we want. Yeah. And I think that's a great point to make is whether you're asking a when, where, what, why, how, there is a difference of futuristic or past, right? Where that there is a huge difference on the type of question you're asking. When past questions are great. I ask them myself and it was, when was the last time you were happy? When was the last time you put yourself first? When was the last time you felt at peace, right? Or felt centered or just that you were good, right? And they are extremely empowering questions. And I think asking, understanding which questions to ask past tense or future, which questions to ask in a curious mindset rather than a um, judgmental mindset is huge. And, and I love that you're sharing that today because I didn't even think of anything like that. I, I've, you know, I never really thought about the way that we ask questions. So here's a little fun experiment to do because the way that we ask the question has a big impact on where our mind goes and in looking for the answer or experiencing the answer. And so what I sometimes do in workshops, even with leaders, when I work with companies, is I say to them, let's take one single topic that you're talking about and whether that is, you know, how to be efficient or efficiency or effectiveness. And I say, okay, take your big topic and now construct a question that begins with where, a construction, a question that begins with when, one that begins with how might, one that begins with um, how, when, where, why. I, I give them all of the question stems to begin with. And I say, take that same topic 
and now construct a question around that topic with each of the different question stems. And it is amazing. And what they do, what I have them do is they say, okay, you've got your topic. You've got five or six different questions formulated. Which one of them gets closest to what you're actually trying to uncover by asking the question? And most of us don't think that way. You know, the vast majority, we ask what, we ask how, and we ask why, depending on the circumstances, with a predominance of like what's and why's. But where questions, and not just like, where is my backpack, <laughs> you know, but where in my life, you know, have I seen this before? Have I, you know, noticed this pattern before? Can be a really powerful question that is very different from why do I always do this? Yep. Or where can I add in some me time? Where can I add in some me time, right? Instead of like, oh, I have no time. Like, how can I find time for that, right? They're so different. So it's a great exercise. Take anything you're thinking about and take all the different question stems. And one question stem I want to like talk about a little bit more is the how might. Sometimes people don't want to ask questions like how do I or how will I either because they sometimes don't trust that they actually will. <laughs> I've asked that before and I haven't done it, so I don't trust myself. Or it feels too demanding to make it such a certain question, you know, that of having a high expectation. But how might, how might I think about this in a different way? How might I take the first step if I was interested in? Can tend to ease us in sometimes to exploring something that we might otherwise feel a little too intimidated to explore. So I love that question stem and how might also has the benefit. There's a lot written about innovation and creativity with the use of how might, because in brainstorming ideas, how might, oh, how might we do this? Or how might we do that? Again, I don't have to be accountable to the idea opens up the mind to want to explore and want to suggest almost anything it can think of. Yeah. And I think when we're trying to look at our lives, allowing some of that creativity and openness is really helpful. Um, we did an episode on the power of words the other day, and I'm only bringing that up because you say how might, and I, and I keep thinking, and I'm trying to figure out like, what would I use how might for? So might is a word that, um, I energetically it bothers me I don't know why it's not like a huge word that people can't say I I say it myself but I would actually replace it with how would and that would be comfortable for me right how would this feel how and because I'm all about emotions right I'm all about the feelings and the thoughts and so I'm like how would it work if I did this or how would I feel if we put this together or you know how would this benefit this right and just yeah I, I like the how would how might is good but but I would probably change it to how would because yeah that just it feels better to me for some reason and that's the thing and that for anybody watching that's that's one of those key points right is you don't have to use a specific wording that doesn't feel good for you or that doesn't, you know, inspire you to think. Would would be an, a very inspirational thought for me because would is futuristic, right? It's oh, maybe something's interesting going to happen. Let's let's go in here, right, and kind of dig in there. I'm very analytical, so would is is a huge one for me. But again, it how does or how do or you know again because people don't like the accountability that those two hold. 
there's so many different options. And I think that's exactly right. I think you and I were heading down the same path in the same moment there of the words that we choose are really important. You know, I think about it. If you were a jeweler and you were putting together a precious piece of jewelry that had little stones in it, right? You wouldn't just throw, oh, I got these. I'll throw it in here. Oh, I got one of these. I got a ruby over here. I got a sapphire over here. Let me just throw them together, right? Is you would carefully construct the design and with great care, you would select each stone to go into the piece of jewelry. We don't think about words as being that precious. And I'd like to suggest just for a minute is what might be different if we did perceive the words, the wording of our questions, the wording of our statements, the wording of the notes that we write to people? What if we considered the words to be that precious? And we would be more thoughtful, we would be more careful. And as you said, we would find the words that actually evoke what's most helpful to us. Mm -hmm. Wholeheartedly agree, wholeheartedly agree. So what kind of questions should we talk about next? Which I, I'm, you're the expert on this episode because I'm just like, I, I'll throw in when I get inspired, but I'm just like, oh, I don't even know. I don't know where to go with this. Like, it's such an interesting topic, but I don't know where to go with it, right? Um, until of course you tell me and then I'm just like, I run out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, some of the things that um, I, I thought would be interesting to talk about is what role asking these questions or what impact asking these questions can have on our life, on our leadership and on our relationships. And so, you know, there are a couple of examples that I just wanted to throw out there and then invite you and I to have a conversation about some of them. But I think an experience that people might identify with is this was for me a number of years ago. It was actually um, started at the time of my coach training. I was in my coach training program. This is a lot of years ago already. And there was a little exercise, maybe a third of the page that said, list three things that make you happy. And I got to that exercise and I absolutely froze. I mean, everyone else got their pencils, they're working. I don't know what's going on inside their world, but I absolutely froze because I'm the child of an immigrant and we didn't do happy. In fact, I recently asked my 85 year old money, mother, did we ever talk about happy? She's like, no, what's that? Like, you know, <laughs> we didn't do that in our family. And so I never had an answer to this question. Like what makes you happy or what hobbies do you like, or what do you enjoy? We were a family business that worked because that's what's survival. And I had gotten through most of my life, every time any kind of question, happiness, hobbies, fun, whatever, I would walk out of the room. I mean, or I would just go silent and pretend to be invisible. And now here we were being asked in this coach training program, list three things that make you happy. And I might, was most terrified that I was going to get called on, you know, to, for the instructor to be able to explore, but they didn't. But I left that day and I said to myself, I am not going to go forward in my life. This is my call, you know, to without pursuing an answer to this question. I was like, I, how much longer in my life do I want to live without knowing an answer? And we could debate happy. Is it happy? Is it content? Is it whatever? But let's just put all that debate about word choice there <laughs> that aside because it means different things. For me, it just meant like what brings joy? And, um, so I decided I needed to figure it out. And since I was in a coach training program, I understood that coach, 
that questions is a primary tool for helping us to figure things out. And I said, well, I can't just ask myself what makes you happy because I've been asking that my whole life and coming up with no answers. What I decided to ask, and I think this is a great question asking or self-inquiry tool, is I said, I'm going to make it more specific than that. I'm going to ask about specific moments. Like if people say, what should we have for dinner or what restaurant do you want to order from? Huh, I'm going to ask myself the question, if it were about being happy, about my being happy, what restaurant would I choose? Because in the past, I might just say, whatever you want, doesn't matter. I don't care, whatever everybody else wants. But then I said, well, if it were about your being happy, what would you choose? And when my friend offered to pick up my kids from daycare or from school, and I had 30 extra minutes, instead of just going to the next chore, it was like, huh, if this 30 minutes, if it were about my being happy, what might I do with my 30 minutes? And I started to ask this question again and again and again. And I didn't have an answer every time because I felt like somebody who was going to the gym for the first time who didn't have very many muscles worked out in this area. So I felt pretty weak in it. But I stayed committed, literally like going to the gym. And over months, I developed some muscles. I began to be able to come up with some answers. And doing this over time has both small made small changes, but were pretty profound. And then really large changes that I realized I could make in my life to reorient what was going on so that I would be more deeply rooted in my authenticity and in my joy. And, you know, this was a huge example how taking a question and just sticking with it through the fear and discomfort of maybe not knowing an answer to it initially could have a profound effect on life. Yeah. For anybody watching, that is a huge thing. We had a, a comment that me too, with your, your family situation, right? It wasn't about happiness. It was about doing what you needed to do. I have... Um, somebody in my life who thinks that the only way they're allowed to be happy is if everything's perfect. Right. And that's, that's a horrible way of thinking it's the way they were raised. And I don't like we're working on that, but you know, to, to not know what makes you happy and look what you created with asking yourself or learning how to ask yourself that question or variations of that question, you create an entire business <laughs> being able to ask questions right like I love I love the universe for that and whether you call it divine timing whether you call it the universe whether you call it just inspiration that moment probably shifted your entire future and and created a lot of it what it is that you do today in the courage to be curious right asking questions asking the right questions and how to word them. Um, people ask me what I do for fun and such, and I go blank. Absolutely. If you don't know, or if your world is so focused on one thing, work, um, you know, not, not putting yourself first, not finding your own happiness, not right. And I'm, I'm all about emotional health and well-being, right. And mindset and, and mental health. And so for me, I ask those questions and I, there's no shame, no shame, no blame, no guilt. If you are somebody 
like Adina, who didn't know how to ask that question, if you're like our viewers who blank when somebody asks you a question that you don't know how to answer, there's nothing wrong with you. Absolutely nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with the fact that you don't know that answer. It is okay to be there. But start asking questions. Start asking yourself questions. And if that question trips you up, do what Adina did. And I love that story. And I wish I could share that story absolutely everywhere. And I'm going to through this episode. But... <laughs> is, you know, start asking yourself a different question, right? If I, if I had a hobby, what, what, maybe what would I like, right? What would I, what would I want to try? What might I want to try? Let's use Adina's. What might I like to try, right? And you don't have to know the answer right now. We have all the answers within us, within ourselves. And that's something I can, I can guarantee you, you have all of the answers within yourself. You may not know it yet. You may have to do some trial and error. You may have to go out and work your muscles and say, okay, I got to try some stuff to figure this question out. Right. Um, for our viewer who says, you know, asking what to do for fun, maybe you're not doing anything that's fun yet. Maybe, you know, what might you try that you haven't tried before or that you'd like to try again or, you know, finding those questions. Those are the right questions. And I love that those are the right questions. The questions that trip you up show you, and this is where my, my expertise come in. The questions that trip you up show you somewhere that you're able to grow, somewhere that you're able to figure something out or try new things or ask yourself a different variation of the question, right? Um, and go, I love that. Absolutely love that. I, I, I'm speechless. I'm not speechless. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to just share two, two other questions that popped up and you mentioned this specifically, you know, what do I do for fun? Or if I were gonna try something new and it was interesting when I got to my, 50th birthday. And I was like, all right, 50th birthday is approaching. And I want to do something, you know, I call it the midlife adventure. I don't know, whatever you want to call it, but I decided at 50, I wanted to do something. And I sat there like, what would I like to do? What would be fun? And I drew a little bit of that blank. I didn't know. So I asked a different question and I said, what have I ever done that has felt like exhilarating that I really have gotten into? And one of the things that occurred to me was I was a gymnast a little bit when I was a kid. And I also, I like things that are really physical. And so, okay, something physical, that seems like it makes sense for me. And then I started listening, what are all the physical things that I haven't tried that I might like to try? And, you know, listing everything from bungee cord jumping to skydiving to whatever. And I initially landed on pole dancing. And so I said to myself, okay, you know, that looks really fun. I got to the studio and I saw the pole and I had a little second thought, but I looked to the side and they had an aerial um, class with silks and liras. And I'd never done any of this before in my life. But I watched the women around the studio for a while. And I watched how much laughter there was. And I thought, this is really physical. It's creative. It's new. I never would have really dreamt of it in my life. And I signed up, right? And I signed up and I, for three months, studied and ended up in a recital at 50, you know, <laughs> 
doing a performance on a lira, but it came from that willingness to inquire. And I had to ask the question a few different ways. Okay, something physical. Okay, something I haven't done. Make a list. You know, what's nearby? What can I manage? What can I do? And just kept following those. And Elizabeth Gilbert in her book, Big Magic, which I tend to think of as like the Bible for creative people, you know, she talks about stop asking yourself the question of what's your passion, but just what am I the least bit curious about and allow that to take you on a journey. Um, and it will undoubtedly lead you someplace fun, exciting, offering something new. That sounds like a book I might be interested in. And very, very rarely do I actually want to, I'm, I tend to, I read romance novels. <laughs> um, but that sounds like a very interesting book. And I love that it's for creatives. I'm, you know, I ask what's your passion, but not in a sense of mine's just the emotional. It's the, the physical, the emotional, the energetic response, right. Of, of, right. What gave, what gives you excitement? What, you know, and, and a good excitement. I look at bungee jumping and I'm just like, no, 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 not, not going to happen. We're not going there at all. Right. And it's because, you know, I'd probably have a heart attack on the way down. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even make it. I'd, I'd probably kill myself on the way down. Um, and that's from, of course, you know, I live in Winnipeg, Manitoba, sort of Red River X and exhibitions. So doing like the drop of doom was interesting, um, but I haven't been able to do rides in years. So my exhilaration is driving fast. <laughs> that's the extent of my exhilaration. Um, but only if I'm driving, go figure. Um, I, I like that there, we have that ability and for, for a lot of my own clients and, and here's, uh, an inspiration. A lot of my own clients will struggle with answering certain questions. And so sometimes they'll ask themselves the negative question and by asking themselves the negative question right? Instead of asking you, what do you like? They'll ask, what don't I like? And it's almost like a process of elimination. And I think that it, it, sometimes it can create inspiration on what you do like. Um, so don't always, so for everybody watching, don't always think those negative questions are horrible. They're not always great. Um, but sometimes they uncover something that is great, right? Instead of, if you struggle with asking yourself, um, you can go anyway. You can start asking yourself different questions. You can start asking yourself the opposite questions, right? Because opposites attract. We all know that. Um, so there is the potential that you could do that. Now, if not, you can always get uh, Adina's card deck, which gives you questions. Right. And I'm going to share a couple of the questions out of that card deck, uh, because maybe we'll do that. You had mentioned um, a client a few minutes ago that was kind of stuck on perfection. And so there's one question in the deck here that says, if joyful imperfection rather than unforgiving perfection were the new ideal, what would I feel free to do or try? So if joyful imperfection rather than an unforgiving perfection were the new ideal, what would I feel free to do or try? And one of the reasons I put those words there, joyful imperfection, is because most people don't think of imperfection as joyful, right? Especially if we're perfectionist, we think that it's, and so 
the phrasing there, again, it was putting words in there that would cause people to maybe have some dissonance to have to say, what could that possibly be? Or how could that possibly be? And then perfection being unforgiving. Again, I added the word to just kind of make us pause a little bit and say, when do I feel that? How does that impact me? How does an unforgivingness of imperfection of perfection I, affect me? I think I have an example of that. So there are very few things that I have perfection over. And one of them is the dishes. The dishes have to be done a certain way, stacked a certain way, prepped a certain, like it's all this huge hoopla, right? So I, if I've allowed my kids to do the dishes, now it's my 12-year-old's, 13-year-old's job to do the dishes now. So if she does the dishes, I could sit there and go, oh, they're not done properly. And like I could redo them or I, whatever it is, right? I could react with that emotion of the, the unforgiving perfection. Absolutely, I could. Getting mad at her because she's not doing it properly. Um, there's a lot of very negative connotations on that, right? But at the same time, if I look, if I change my perception, and I think a lot of it comes down to perception, and I'm huge on perception. If I change my perception and don't think about it of, you know, I'm just going to have to redo it, it's, I don't have to do it, right? The joyful imperfection, okay, they're not perfect, but that does, that means I don't have to do the dishes every day. <laughs> and I have an extra half an hour to myself every day because I don't have to do the dishes, right? And one less thing on my plate. So it's the way you look at it. I love that one because it is the way that you look at it, right? Is what benefit am I getting by it not being perfect? You know, and I also love that. I, I, that was like such an awesome example. So I'm so glad it resonated with you and you're able to share that that way. When I was thinking about my kids also learning to load the dishwasher and do dishes, there was also this piece of the joyful imperfection and, and my kids are now all grown up. So I've got a 21 and 23 year old. And so I get to this perspective, sort of seeing the joyfulness of they've learned how to be independent. They've learned how to take responsibility. And in those moments that we're watching our kids do the chores, it's not just teaching them the responsibility in that moment, but it's also teaching them self-sufficiency. And there is so much joy as a parent, I think, of raising kids who are developing the ability to be self-sufficient in the world. And so, you know, I love that. And I thought it was, it was such a great example for you to bring up. The other one that I chose, you and I talked about this a little bit a few uh, before the show, but if money were my partner in life, how would I describe our relationship and how does it feel? And I just wanted to share a story because many of us have money stories. If we don't have a money story, we're probably in finance, right? But every one of the rest of us who didn't go into finance probably has some money story of some kind, um, just like everybody who didn't become a math teacher usually has something around math. But so if money were my partner in life, how would I describe our relationship? And I, this was a topic that I really wanted to delve into. It's a couple of years ago in my life, but ago in my life, but I really wanted to delve into this because I just noticed patterns and how money came in and how money went out and how I felt around money. And there was an exercise that, um, I, a coach had put out there that I decided to follow. And she said, if money were a person, 
who would it be? And not a person like the name of a person, but a, a concept of a person. So would it be a jokester? Would it be your best friend? Would it be? And I went through this exercise, Melissa, and it was almost terrifying because I came up with that it was like the like the godfather, the head of a gang, you know, of gangsters, that this is what money felt like to me. And as soon as I kind of discovered, I went like, I mean, I was totally shocked because while I knew some things were off, what I didn't realize is how oppressed I'd felt, how much control there was and beholdenness to it. And, you know, that the relationship was just so filled with strife. And it was a daunting, eye-opening moment. And then, you know, it led me into this, I mean, first of all, kind of really sitting to untangle that relationship, but then what would I want my relationship with money to be if I framed that in the form of a relationship? You know, what I wanted to be like an intimate partner, what I wanted to be like a business partner, what I wanted to be like a friend, what I wanted to be like a fairy godmother, like what would I want that relationship to be? But this is the power of asking these kinds of questions is that, as you said before, any question that makes us bristle a little bit is an indicator that that's the space to grow. Knowing how to ask a question in a productive way that will help us to investigate it and then move us forward, you know, that's, that's the gift in this conversation that we're having today. And the questions that I put into the card decks, because most of us don't go walk around asking ourselves questions like this all day. And that's what I realized after years of working with my clients, is it wasn't enough to just invite them to ask curious questions, because most of us don't have a lot of experience with that. And so that's why I created these card decks, the live, live, lead, and love with the courage to be curious because I wanted people to say, okay, if I were really interested in doing this investigation, what kinds of questions would I ask? Yeah, I love that. Um, so another example of that one is I wrote a book um, a few years ago now, I wrote a book about all my past relationships. Since we're talking about money and relationships, I wrote a book on all my past relationships and what each of them taught me and what I took from each of them, the lesson that I took from each of them, and how I made myself a better partner, how I made myself more aware of what I wanted from my ideal partner and the ideal relationship. And it created space for me to find my husband, right? And that's money, your relationship with money, your relationship with your business, because I love that you mentioned the, you know, if, if money was my partner, if your business was your partner, if your children were your partner, like motherhood was your partner, you can go back and go, okay, how has this been going for me? <laughs> like, how has this been working? What does it make me feel? And make those changes, right? Because we do need to ask ourselves questions. I have a 12-month program. It's my longest coaching program. And it's one-on-one. -on -one, and it's every day or every week is a new set of questions. And we go through them and then there's follow-up questions and it's getting to know who you are and what you like and what you dislike and what you've learned through your past and what you want for your future. And it's very in-depth. So asking your question uncovers the lessons, uncovers your passions, uncovers your goals. Unco there's so many things. I love asking questions. 
I'm, I'm a big question asker myself. So one other piece I thought was important to bring up was the role of inquiry when it does come to relationships and not just the relationship from our vantage point, but in how we relate to other people. So um, just as a point of reference, so the, the live with the courage to be curious card deck is all questions for us to ask about our lives. Both the love and the lead have 26 questions that are about the self, but then 26 questions that invite us to be curious about others. So in the love deck, it's 26 questions that invite us to be curious about someone that we care about. It could be a spouse or a lover. It could be a friend. It could be a child, anybody that we care about, because something really transforms again, when we approach people that we care about from a place of curiosity. And when you were telling the story at the beginning of the episode about your daughter not having done the dishes and you're trying to figure out how do I rectify this in the future? Because I feel like she wasn't, you didn't felt like she wasn't living up to her responsibility. And a question that I like to invite people to ask a lot is, you know, I wonder what happened. For example, I wonder what happened that your chores didn't get done before you got to bed? Or would you be willing to share with me what happened in the course of your day that led to the chores still being undone? And it's a question that is not meant to be manipulative, though we could certainly ask it with a manipulative tone <laughs> or a judgmental tone. But it's a question that's asked from this sense that maybe there's things I don't know about, Maybe there was a loss of awareness of it on their part, and then the question brings them back to awareness. Um, maybe there was something else, but I've had so many examples with clients where I'll either ask this question, you know, tell me what happened, or I wonder what happened that this didn't get accomplished, or you didn't meet this goal, or they would ask it to somebody else. And some of the answers that come up are just amazing. Um, I remember asking a client a question one time and, you know, they wanted to have a difficult conversation and I said, well, what's the reason you didn't have the conversation? And they said, you know, I really just had no idea how to even put the words together to say what I wanted to say. And I was like, awesome. Now we know where to begin. It wasn't like you failed to do your homework and coaching or something. It was you uncovered what was blocking you from doing it. And now there's a path forward. And there's an incredible amount of grace and relationship building with approaching the people like spouses, like children, like friends, like colleagues, where what things that they do can feel so frustrating, but being able to approach those situations from a genuine place of curiosity, trusting that people want to be good, trusting that people want to be in relationship with us. And if we trust that we're more willing and more inclined to approach them from a place of curiosity and openness than judgment. Yep. And that leads to healthier communication. Absolutely and utterly. It leads to healthier communication, healthier relationships, not only with other people, but also with yourself. When you're willing to be curious and non judgmental with yourself and with others, that opens the door to a lot more knowledge, a lot more understanding, a lot more compassion and empathy, and a lot more growth. Because that's idealistically, that's what we're supposed to have, right? All of these things that we go through life, the experiences, especially the negative experiences, the negative emotions, those are lessons, right? Those are lessons for growth. But if we don't ask the questions, we don't get the growth. <clears throat> so 
I I'm I'm loving you today. <laughs> I'm loving you today. And speaking of, I am most likely at some point going to be buying all of your card decks because I'm just like fascinated. Um, I, I want them myself. While I ask questions, I love the way that you word them, and I'm just I'm loving it. I think that it's I think that it's going to be beneficial for so many people to be able to ask questions in a different frame of mind. And I want to, you know, thank you, first of all, thank you for um, saying that and sharing it. And one of the things in the personal growth realm, we talk, a, a lot of people talk about journaling, right? A lot of coaches and, you know, books and things like that suggest that we have journals. And then I've had so many people say to me, like, I don't know what to write. I mean, when I was 13 and I kept a journal, it was, a, it was a log, right? Of who said what to whom and what I experienced and all that kind of stuff. And not exactly. I, th I think our intuition tells us, I'm not sure that's really what I'm supposed to be doing here is just logging my day or how upset or angry I am about something, which is, I think what happens in journaling a lot. And I've come to the practice where my journaling almost always begins with a question. And so again, when people take this and people are wondering, okay, I, I know I should journal. And I've heard that so many times. I know I should journal. I just don't know what to write about is that I would love to invite people to begin with a question. And what inevitably happens as I'm journaling is that starting to respond to one question always leads me to another, always leads me to the other. And in this personal growth world where it is like peeling back the layers of the onion, um, the questions help us to do that. And what's really cool about the way that it does that is that there's a scientific term called instinctive elaboration for what happens in the brain when, we, when we're asked or we ask a really interesting question. It's like the brain almost can't help but want to pursue it. It's sort of when somebody in the room asks something and we're in 10 seconds, everybody's on Siri or Google looking it up because they can't stand to not have the answer. And that's instinctive elaboration. It got activated, like a switch went on. And so the goal is to ask the kinds of questions that make us so eager to arrive somewhere, to, uh, to uncover something that we can't help but pursue it. And so, you know, that is why putting together these questions and why with journaling, journaling using questions becomes such a powerful personal growth tool. Yep, absolutely. I completely and utterly agree. We are getting close to that time. So what would you like to add before we get going? Well, I think that it's interesting. I want to just add with or end with something that I haven't really defined, but the business is called Courage to be Curious. And the cards are live, lead, and love with the courage to be curious. But where do these courage to be curious, what is courage and what is curiosity? And curiosity is this desire to know, like our child wants to know how do trees grow and how do these things happen? So it's kind of the desire to know. I also believe that curiosity and what I've tried to share today is a disposition. It's how we arrive, like with a sense of awe, wonder, openness that allows us to look at things in new ways. And so really want to invite people that curiosity is more than just wondering why the sky is blue. It is actually how we feel and how we be on the inside. 
And then the courage part, and you and I've talked about this, is that this work of asking and inquiring is not easy. Sometimes we uncover things that demand from us whether or not we're going to pursue something authenticity or whether, and sometimes that authenticity can be uncomfortable in the pursuit or whether we're just going to resign and accept what is because we're too afraid. But being curious opens things up that sometimes demands us to a little bit of courage from us if what our goal is to be that happy, to live authentically, to love wholeheartedly, you know, all of those things. And so, you know, that's where these two words come together. And I feel like are really important guides for us, um, for all the work that you do with people, for all the work that I do with people, um, that we need both of those. We need that curiosity. And then we also need a little bit of that courage to help carry us along. I have no disagreement, none whatsoever. We we need to be, I, I want to say do better, but it's not even that. It's, we, we I, I encourage people to want to do better. Not that you have to do better, that you have to be better, but the strive, right? Like, why wouldn't you? Right? And that's not a judgmental question. That's what would your life be like if you were more curious? What would your life be like if you were more courageous? What could you accomplish? What might happen if you're more courageous and curious? What might happen? And those are absolutely fantastic questions. I, I, I have nothing else to add on that. <laughs> Well, I mean, I want to just thank you because I think bringing these conversations to the table for people to witness, to participate, and um, to be inspired to look at life through this lens is really important. So I love what you do here. And thank you for bringing this to so many people through your show. And um, yeah, I think if people walk away from this hour feeling inspired, to just turn their head and it's interesting. My logo is up here if anybody's sort of watching rather than listening, my logo is up here. And when the designer, it was a hard thing to think about what kind of graphic would go with curiosity that wasn't very trite and predictable. And after we talked for a while and he came back and if you're looking at it, courage is facing up, curiosity is actually, curious is actually upside down, but yet you know exactly what it says. But the first time I looked at it, it inspired me to turn my head in that stance that usually is associated with curiosity that many people do. And it's just like, oh, isn't that beautiful? Well, if we could all turn our heads, cock our heads to the side a little bit when things happen, not in judgment, but like, oh, I wonder. Yep. With How much dogs. better would it all be? The dogs. Yes, you exactly. Can't, you can't get over that, right? When a dog looks at you and it goes, huh? Yeah. What did you just say? <laughs> walk <laughs> sorry to anybody's dog who just heard the word walk on this episode uh, <laughs> you're gonna have to take your dog for a walk <laughs> well thank you Adina for joining me today I really appreciated it I've had a wonderful conversation with you about this topic I think that your concept and your business can help hundreds of thousands of people ask themselves the right question and just be courageous enough to be curious um, about their own lives. So thank you. I am 
Um, and I'd love for people to check it out, you know, Courage to be Curious. That's where our website is. That's where the cards are found. That's where our 180 podcasts are that are all asking courageously curious questions too. And so my hope is that everybody walks away just wondering a little bit more today. So thank you for all of your time, for your own curiosity, your amazing stories and examples and ways that you really flesh this out to make it accessible and beautiful for people. So thank you. Absolutely. All right, just a family. If you'd like to connect with Adina or myself, you can do so link in the description. She also has her card decks linked as the sponsor of today's episode. So go and check those out. I think that anybody who purchases those are going to have one hell of a transformation when you start asking yourself some really, really decent questions. So go and check that out. Thanks again, Adina, for joining me today. I really appreciated it. For all of you, just a family, please like, follow, and share the show. Make sure you join our newsletter at justalivetv.com. You can find us at Just Alive TV across all of the social media, excuse me, platforms, as well as the podcasting platforms. Today is episode 109, or no, sorry, 110 already. Um, so go and check those out. We have them all on the website. Um, we have the blog. We have so many different things. We're always looking for guest speakers and featured topics. So let us know if you want something featured on the show. I'm your host, Melissa Kretschler. I much love to you all. And I will see all of you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.